Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in, however you did find us on your podcatchers. We want to tell you guys about our friends and partner and sponsor of this show, Roughneck Scarves. I want to continue to tell them. Yeah, it's true. I want you to tell other people. Tell we everybody. We want to tell you to tell them, to tell somebody else, because without them, the Home Before Dark scarf wouldn't be possible. Without them, your Atlanta United scarves aren't hanging on your wall. Without them being the official partner of MLS, NCAA, USL, and U.S. soccer, our soccer lives may be completely different. Absolutely. That is a dark timeline none of us want to be a part of. Absolutely. There's a reason that they have all of those official partnerships, including the official partnership with Home Before Dark. is because they make awesome, high-quality, great-design scarves that just look amazing, whether you're holding them up, in the stadium, scarf, hashtag scarves up, whether you have them hanging on a wall like we do in our studio, whether you have them draped in, around your neck for comfort, yeah, warmth, stability, or if it's your blankie at night. Yeah. Roughneckscarves.com has everything you want from all of those outlets. Also, they have a great sales section. I was looking at that. Uh, I mean, we haven't done, um, you know, we're leading up. We're going to do our offside trap with Colorado Rapids. Um, and... They have a great, really cool Colorado 2010, 2010 MLS Champions scarf on there. Still, you can go on there and get it for 10 bucks. Guess awesome. what? Sign up. Use your email address. You get 15% off. No coupon code necessary with Home Before Dark. Anything like that, Roughneck Scarves gives you that 15% off. They got custom scarves as low as $7 a scarf. Yeah, yeah. They do. Like, they have like six or seven different styles you can do. They'll have a representative to help you through the design. Like Shia LaBeouf say, do it. Just do it roughneckscarves.com Now onto the show. It is 
April 22nd, 2019. This is Atlanta, Atlanta United, Atlanta United FC Weekly, Home Before Dark podcast. I'm gonna go ahead and walk out now. Okay. Yeah, you you could start a whole like Kevin out chant from the yeah. <laughs> Bradley out, KMB out. Hashtag KMB. They're already out. booing in the trap. So. Oh no. <laughs> Wait, did, is Breck Shea here? No, uh, I guess not. I am Tim Herbin, as always. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Kevin Bradley, across from me. What is that? Oh, All right, partner. I already blew the whistle. I already tooted it. Blow your whistle. Yep. As, as Too Short would say, blow the whistle. Exactly. And uh, thank you for tuning in on a lovely... Lovely Monday evening here in Atlanta. It feels nice outside. It's up to like 80 degrees. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it's 40 dry tomorrow, as a bone. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, after Saturday's just traffic, wind, rain, um, and 420 festival clogging up. Uh, yeah, it was all great. It was good to be out in the Gulch. Uh, friendly reminder of the last time we were in the Gulch when the weather was like that was during MLS Cup. The outcome was maybe a little bit different, but yeah. at least the yep. lead up to it was uh, very reminiscent of yeah. the cup win. So. Absolutely. Um, did I introduce our? I introduced our introduced ourselves. Yes. Uh, Dan is not with us. Um, He's having some work done in the basement. For those that remember, is that a euphemism? No, 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 no. no. For those, is he at the doctor? No. He's he's got to get his butt looked at. <laughs> he's got he's got butt problems. Is this American diet is just wreaking havoc on his digestive system? It's all of this. It's all that protein shake he's been eating. He's been eating a lot of steak under Frank DeBoer. It's just it's just tearing up his digestive tract. He's used to a lot of Red Bull. <laughs> now he's eating a lot of steak. Yeah, not used to it. Exactly. Uh, I do want to thank you guys as always. We love you guys. Thank you for tuning in on a on Monday night here on YouTube. If you guys are watching us and you're not subscribed to the show, please subscribe to the show. Hit the reminder bell. Make sure that you get the reminder that we're going live, as we always do, Monday night, 8 o'clock. A lot of you guys, you know, people were tuned in waiting for us. And yeah. this time, we started on time this time. We did. OG Richard Gordon, Brandon Scott. Uh, who else is in here? Chris Fillingham. Uh, Tony Neitzel's back. How do you, uh, how you doing, man, over there on the uh, on the West Coast? Elliot Beaven, Brian. A lot of familiar names. Andy Watkins. Uh, David Dudley. My dad, Thomas Herb. David Dudley. Uh, Michelle. Michelle. Also. It's great. Yeah, it's yeah good, absolutely. It's a, good, it's a good. It's a good lineup. Oh, she said too early for protein comparisons. I don't know. Dan's not here, so when the cat's away, the mice will absolutely play. Absolutely, and these two mice are blind as bats. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it because his internet's down. Um, I'm gonna try to shoot him a text and see if he can at least call in towards the end of the show and give us some of his thoughts. But uh, uh, speaking of which, if you guys want to uh, have your voice heard, we'd love to hear from you what you thought about the the game on Saturday. What you guys are. Um, what you guys are feeling like in terms of the season, just anything. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail, 678-827-3297. I should memorize that by now, but at least I have the text shortcut in my phone now yeah. that helps me uh, helps me get that out. That and the UAC, uh, I got that from uh, Geppetto on, on Twitter for the how long the Unite and Conquer. Oh, brilliant, yeah. So I saved that as Good call. the hashtags Good call. For, Good call. For, uh, tw- uh, for Twitter. Um that's the thing. Michelle says, Lord, the tweet yesterday, Kevin. You guys don't know these days. I slip in and out of Twitter. You do. I you do. do. So much so that it, it <laughs> gets thrown off in multiple ways. So Chris didn't think I was the one that tweeted it. Yes. Michelle caught it, that it was me. Um, 
Oh, I thought it was like, oh, Lord Jesus, I loved the tweet yesterday. That's the way I took it. It was the Lord's Day. so It was, yes. (laughs) It was the Lord's Day. Um, Yeah, so I think that's a lot of what this episode will be comprised of in my mind, or at least we'll always, we'll do our typical shenanigans. We're going to talk about the game a lot, but I think it's important and what this show started as what it continues to be and what it strives to be is first and foremost, a community of people that have gathered and collaborated and and come together around this team and the city and um, the experience, you know, Whenever we started this spinoff of what we were doing previously, and whenever we got our season tickets, we didn't get on board with this team because they had won an MLS Cup. No, but I got on board because they won the previous game. <laughs> now, actually, they, they, actually, fittingly enough, they lost the opener, which is when whenever it started. So, so you know, whenever we were excited and we started talking about that very first, our very first game sold us, and it was a fucking loss. Yes, yes. But what sold us was the experience, the atmosphere, and the community that was starting to grow, and you could see the seed had been planted. I think that community is still in full force, and I think it's been fractured in some ways because we've been very fortunate to see a lot of success with this team over the past two years, two two and a half years now. Um, And of course, we all want those results. The people that are playing on the field each week want those results. The people in the front office want those results. The managers, nobody goes out there with the intent to lose. And I think a lot of people maybe overlook that or think that they're, I I, I don't know what the thought is. Ultimately, we're a community of supporters. And I think that the support just, and I forget who posted it on Twitter, but they had a really poignant point about, Whenever you have a friend that's going through tough times, you don't just turn your back on them and and walk out because that's not what it means to support somebody or or to be engaged in a friendship. And and, and it's, you know, people are looking at this like they're day, they're looking at Atlanta United, like they're day traders, just trying to cash in and, and buy low, sell high. But you got to, it's the 401k. You you got to invest in it and just, just let it ride. And it, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, but the long-term investment is about so much more than that final result. Because ultimately the final result is just those few minutes after the final whistle blows and until the start of the next game. It, it's just uh, because up until that final whistle, the score can always change. Some some moment can change, and and it's about everything else leading up until that final moment. Whether you're watching the game, the lead up to it, these shows, these people, everything is way more important than that. And if you are, if you are basing your support or your experience or your entertainment on that final moment, you're bound to be disappointed more times than not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I don't know what else to say other than than what you've said. I mean, it's it really is about that. I mean, instead of a four hundred one k, do you guys want a CD? Like, do you want you want to make an investment in this team and gets a little better every year, a little better here? Little of course, we here. all want to win every game. Yeah. Of course, like nobody's saying you don't want that. No, and and there are a lot of things that you could take away from this game, and I think there's I think there are a handful of of points that I don't know if you necessarily want to touch on, but I absolutely do, and um. I don't know if you want to go ahead and get into it or... Yeah. Okay. Um, a couple of things. So I sit in 120, and one of the first things that I noticed, obviously, grumbles start as soon as we give up that goal. 
Yeah, which was an early goal, and it was not a great experience. I'll tell you that much. No, it, it, you could have heard a pin drop in there. Yeah, when LGP loses the ball in the middle on a challenge, yeah, where he, yeah. he, he he was he was a little too adventurous. He uh, was on Saturday. even by LGP standards. I think LGP was a little too LGP this well, weekend. It, yeah, and the the problem is, I don't know. I feel like maybe he was better being adventurous when he had better coverage in the back not to say miles robinson's been incredible he's our best defender but at the same time i don't feel like he has the same coverage in both the midfield and in a combination of defense that he did uh last year maybe so the the point i was gonna get at is it's fine grumbles i'm even okay with like shouting and being pissed off at things right but i don't like the notion of booing a player one of your own players after he makes whatever he makes a bad pass he makes he wastes a chance he whatever whatever happens i i feel like there is something inherently worse about booing a player and that sound when it's not yeah when it's not facetiously about Brad Guzan right when it's Breck Shea or if it's at the end of a match and well, we're booing the coach, not the players. Well, uh, it's, I mean, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. Fucking, One's a reflection of the exactly. other, and, and the other's a reflection of the other. I, I mean, it's so it really pissed me off that Breck Shea gets down the line and he puts an errant cross behind the goal. And boos ring out, at least in my section. I don't know where you were sitting, if the if, or where you were standing. If I didn't you felt, hear a lot of that. Same. Shout out to Paul. You know, he was he was given. Uh, Breck, Breck chase some shit throughout the game, and rightfully so. I don't think anybody had a standout, you know, best performance of their career out of that game. But again, it's there were moments where Breck Shea didn't have Breck Shea had a perfectly okay game, in my opinion. He didn't have a terrible game, he didn't have a stellar game, but he had a perfectly okay game. And I feel like he was not, <laughs> I think he is very hesitant to be adventurous, he's very hesitant to try and make plays on the ball because i think he's passed i i'm not disagreeing that he's passed his prime he's not the best option that we should ha we should have at left back right now i think he's the only option we really have because right. he actually is a naturally left-footed player that can get up and down the wings occasionally i think what accentuates the mistakes is um or the the errant crosses into the into the box or into the into the crowd is 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 that where he's yeah. not necessarily standing out for making crazy plays to Brian's point. He says, Shea put like three decent balls in and no one was there. Uh, and he says, I don't really think Breck, Sh Breck Shea is the problem. While I do agree with that. I also agree that, uh, two things can be true at the same time. And that what, um, Elliot Beaven said saying about Breck Shea being the weak link is true. I mean, I can't think of a single individual player on the team who is, um, What's the best way of saying this? Who's consistently being like sort of an outlier in yeah, yeah. His, the performance? His, his inconsistency is yes. that problem. Because right. one of the responses that I got was, uh, one of the responses I immediately got whenever I posted that was, oh, this is a bad take. It wasn't the 10 Eric, uh, it wasn't the Eric Cross. It was the 10 games of playing horribly. I mean, how bad is your memory that you forget that he was, he was pretty good on that left side after the first 10 minutes of the New England game? Yeah. New England, who just so happened to beat, um, who did they beat? Oh God, you're Columbus. I think I want to say they beat Columbus. Yeah. They had a good, they had a big win um, this this weekend. Um, yeah, I just uh, people are. Uh, I think Kevin Kevin Cheek, uh, Wheezy Medic, um, one of the Capos, 
Terminus Legion uh, DJ out there at the the tailgates. He he I'm just gonna he he said that was a bad take. He's he's pretty much to the extent of it's not like they're professionals. You should be able to boo them. They should be able to take it. I don't think that's the point. Like that's not the point I was trying to get across. And the point I wasn't trying to get across was defending him. Where he's the only option we really have out there. Somebody who's being really... Just- I'm not saying to cheer bad play either, but it's okay to... Not, like, what does booing a player that's having a bad performance achieve? I guess that would be my thing. What, what, do, what do all of these antics achieve? What does walking out of the game early achieve? Okay, so that's, a, that's another one, right? So, um... You're, every- you're express Okay, the... the ex- so... There's a couple of things here. There, there's the booing. There's the walking out of the stadium early. There's the whole Frank DeBoer out. And the ultimately, I think they're all kind of tied together in some way. And people are in two, one of two camps. It's either let it ride or Frank DeBoer out. Again, I have yet to see a valid suggestion of if you get rid of Frank DeBoer, what the next step is. We're in the middle of April. Who are you going to fucking pick up to come in and just, you think you're not going to go through? If the season's already gone by your metric that you're so willing to let Frank DeBoer go because the season's already lost six games in somehow because it's 18% of the season or whatever the fuck it is, you think that bringing in a new manager automatically is going to lock you in to some miraculous change and he's not going to try to change the problems that you're already seeing in the team and therefore the players are going to have to adjust to that and there's going to be some lag time and some struggle in there with more losses and more disappointment if the season's already gone at least see where the fuck it can go with the guy that you've got in manning the ship right now at the end of the season if it's not working out by all means but Six games in just seems ridiculous. Yeah, you take a look historically, even the past couple of years since we've been following MLS, even in maybe a year or two before that, there are historically way worse starts to the season than we're having right now where teams like Seattle and Toronto, I believe Toronto, if I'm not mistaken, but Seattle for sure um, has made it to the finals and then or to the cup final. And then you, I think last year they started off so piss poor and ended up, I want to say, second in the West. At a certain point, it's just uh, and then, yes, Michelle, you're correct. Um, The Revs beat the Red Bulls uh, one nil. If you want to talk about a team that maybe should should throw the baby out with the bathwater, it's maybe New York Red Bulls at this point. We're not. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of positives, I think, that you could take away from this. And that's what I think that's what you and I are trying to perpetuate at this point, because I don't feel like it's productive whatsoever to sit and just shit on the team and not really look between the lines and look at the numbers and look and just try to be as objective as possible game to game, see the progression that's been happening on the field and know that again, I I said it a few weeks ago, our schedule looking at it now, our schedule has been pretty damn tough. Yeah. I mean, Dallas is uh top four, top five, They're top four right now, top four in the West. Uh, we've lost to Columbus, We've lost to D.C. Philly. Oh, no, we drew Philly. Yeah, we drew with Philly. Look, you know, to your point about fans maybe reflecting a little bit on what's actually happening on the field. Look at what that does off the field. What it means to like, what does it mean to be a supporter? Like by definition, what does it mean to be a supporter? I understand voicing your opinion, voicing your frustrations and stuff like that. And, and maybe there's some, some way to do so, uh, in a meaningful way, but 
you know, walking out of the stadium, I think Elliot Beavins had a great point. It's like I walk, I leave early whenever we're winning. That's, that's what I do too. Cause I know we've won. I mean, you, you, I'll leave to beat traffic. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, we've already won. Um, but whenever we're losing, that's when the, that's when the, t- the team doesn't need you whenever we're winning. You've got to be there to show support whenever we're down. And there's a lot of talk about, well, well what's going to happen to season ticket prices. And now attendance is going to start to fall. And you know, if if you really want to see a team start to tank, stop supporting them, because because if you want to see them succeed, you've got to back them when they're down. Because it's that backing and that assurance that you're going to show up through thick and thin, and putting butts in seats to help fund those acquisitions. I agree. It's not we're looking at six games, not stick here. We don't even know where the rest of the season's going to go. Um. I think it's just, especially considering the way that that game unfolded in particular, you know, if, if this was six games of just getting ran over four nil three nil, I can maybe side with some of that, but that's not been the case whatsoever outside of that one Monterey game. We haven't looked terrible. We have, I'll put it this way. We haven't looked what our position in the ranking suggests we are. No, f- of course not. And to, to Dean's point, we're down, you know, we're, we're pretty far down the, the Eastern Conference ratings right now. We're, we're 12th. We're last, but we also have... Dead last. Not, I mean, obviously, there's no argument. There's no argument that we want to win either. But again, we're still playing catch-up in terms of games played. We have to capitalize yes. that on that. that. We absolutely we, do. We have to do that on Saturday. And there's... Saturday, to me, is is not a barometer for anything other than... If we win, we're supposed to win this game. Yes, Colorado's horrible. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they're. I think they're the only team. No, they're only two teams with less points than us. Portland and Colorado right now. Colorado has eight games played. They're oh six and uh oh wait yeah oh six and two. Um, so they have two. They have two points. And if we don't win this game on Saturday, maybe that's time to raise the alarms because we're at home playing against an absolutely terrible team. But right now, again, we've had a tough schedule. We've had a really weird start to the season. New manager, a lot of shuffling with injuries, with bringing uh, bringing new people into the lineup. And it's new tough. Lineup. New, yeah, it's it's just tough, man. Um, I, I will say, if we're going to talk critically about the run of play. That's not. That's also not to say that you you shouldn't be critical of what's happening on the field because I think there are things to be critical of. Atlanta should not have. Atlanta should not have conceded the two goals that they conceded. The first goal, they get caught out of position and trying to chase a trying to chase a ball that they never should have been in a position to have to chase down, and. It was a great ball played right in between Miles Robinson and Michael Parkhurst, who are on a run, um, and, and it just gets played in a great position, and he puts it away. I mean, give credit to Dallas. They didn't have a whole lot of opportunities, but they did what Atlanta United couldn't do, and that's not Frank DeBoer's fault. Have the players been discharged from the hospital yet from Dallas? <laughs> I, know, I know Grady's it's trauma unit is, yeah. is top-notch, yeah. right? It's like the best trauma unit in yeah. the, on the East Coast or in the, in the country. I, I really hope... Gruezo and um, I want to say yeah, our Acosta. thoughts are with those yeah, guys for yeah, sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Jesse uh, Gonzalez. <laughs> um, hopefully his back shapes up. Maybe uh, 
Yeah, and, and Michelle, I agree. It's okay to be emotional and critical. It's part of being passionate about your team. Um, I just, I want us to be, I want us to be emotional and critical, but also be realistic and passionate in the way that we can reflect and embrace the things outside of just the score at the end of the game is my point. Um, you know, and being critical, I think our defense has been the biggest shortcoming for this team this season. And so the first goal, it gets conceded in, in a, in a really embarrassing fashion. The second goal happens merely as a matter of circumstance because of what Atlanta is trying to do so desperately by pushing. Look at the average field position for everybody in the Atlanta lineup this weekend. They are all past the 50-yard mark, aside from Brad Guzan. And I think he's even at the top of the fucking box. So whenever you're pressing that high up to try... I mean, Michael Parkhurst was getting into chance creation we were pushing that far up the field yeah, it was weird seeing him up there and i mean he got a ball inside the box and panicked because he didn't know what to do with it <laughs> um, um i like what what it's justin johnson says 22 shots this weekend to me that loss was on the players and not on the coach should have hit the back of the net at least once in two minutes of bad defense cost us two goals absolutely i think absolutely all right we'll see you guys next week i think that that, I think that wraps it up i Man, think that's nailed it but yes and anthony nitro kind of follows that up finishing is easily the biggest issue on our team this year i think it's the finishing i think the defense there's something to be said about the defense right now there are some question marks in our defense and we've talked about it miles robinson seems to be every bit of the player that you want him to be he however doesn't, he doesn't have that consistent partner right now he doesn't have a consistent partner LGP seems to be inconsistent, at least out of this week's performance, just overly aggressive. And we've seen him take that on more times than not. Whenever Atlanta gets down early on in games, LGP wants to put the game on his back and get overly aggressive and put himself into positions where he's drawing a yellow card unnecessarily. Um, You know, we've talked about Breck Shea. I think there's a lot of points and a lot of um, credit to that. But what happens whenever the season goes on? More players get healthy. Franco Escobar's back in the lineup. George Bellow? George Bellow. How different is Uh, this season right now, do you think, if George Bellow was playing on a week-to-week basis aside from uh, outside of Breck Shea? Because if we just want to stick with the... the, I think we maybe pick up one of the few games that we've lost. I don't think we automatically win all of them because of George Bellow, but I know that at least, I think it was the Philly game that was a breakdown by... uh, Breck Shea drifting inside a little bit more than he should be. But again, the one game that we saw George Bellow, he wasn't really match fit for 90 minutes. So who knows what happens whenever he gets pulled out. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's easy to try to say something like that without knowing that's automatically. So just Brian Diefenbach makes, makes a point. Granted, it's, it's absolutely, uh, uh, it's kind of a moot point at this point. We, I mean, I would very much, Brian, I would very much like McCann right now over Shea too. Because I give you that. McCann was definitely, he, he did a job. He did. And he did it consistently after one or two weeks of inconsistency. He kind of just knew his role. He played it throughout the rest of the season. And he was uh, he was reliable. Um, I would, uh, I, I just lost my train of thought though. Um, damn it. <laughs> why did this why did this happen oh no no no. so we, we're talking about the the finishing being being our biggest weakness right now 
You remember the middle of last season when we were just peppering the goal and we could not put a ball in the back so of the net? I got so sick of seeing XG in, tw- in my fucking timeline. <laughs> I got so sick of it. But when you look back at that time, our defense wasn't necessarily our weak link yeah. like it is now, yeah. right? Right. Or not? I mean, we we were more reliable on defense in holding in the midfield. We were okay we just, because we our defense could, exactly. It was just the finishing. Right now, it is the combination of the two. This is, is not necessarily a new trend when it comes to finishing. We we put away the goals we needed to last year. We we scored a lot of goals, but at the same time, we also I feel like our conversion rate. I'd have to go back. I'm, I'm not a statistics nerd anymore, but the um the finishing rate that we had last year is probably not too far off from where it is right now. Um, Richard Gordon has a really good point to that point, though. I know. That's what I'm saying. We were still getting wins. Agreed. But at the same time, we were still having trouble finishing at a rate that um, that we should have been. Um, but that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying it's accentuated even more now due to the fact that we can't rely on a consistent defense. We can't rely on LGP to be himself. It's, yeah. it's weird. I was listening to, I want to say Jason Longshore was on um, 92.9 yesterday and he was talking about, or maybe it was, it was after the game. He and Conti were talking about it and his uncharacteristic errors that you're seeing week in week out from LGP over the past two years that you've be, been able to become rely or um, been able to rely on him over the past two years to save your ass. Granted, he's got a little Steve Stifler in him, right? Where he he gets you into the situation he's saving you from, but at the same time, he still always ends up coming through yeah, yeah. with that. And this year, it's not necessarily so so much that. So I, they they flirted with the idea of sitting him for at least a week or or so, and and putting Parkhurst back there with Miles Robinson. And I'm not so sure I disagree with that because Franco Escobar made the 18. You would think that probably this weekend, maybe next, he's healthy again, mm-hmm. match fit, ready to start. You put him on the right side. You put Parkhurst and Miles Robinson in the middle together. And then you put, I don't know, on the left back. Do you try LGP at it left back? I mean, it's not going to hurt. It probably won't, right? But at the same time, he's not going to be giving you service in from the left side, probably. No. But then again, Breck Shea hasn't done a ton of service. Like it, it would be different if we're talking about Gressel going out from the right side and talking about a lack of service from the right side. But Breck Shea isn't consistently giving you a ton of crosses that are viable threats from the left side. And the amount that LGP likes to go up and attack. um, Yeah. You know, I I don't think that that's necessarily a terrible idea. Um, I I think it's maybe, or maybe we flirt. Yeah. We just flirt with a left back. We, we just, or uh, sorry, left back uh, three back. And and I was going to say that's, that would be a more viable option. You go with Franco on the right miles in the middle and, and Michael on the, or Parkhurst on the left, or maybe switch miles Robinson and and Parkhurst. But um, we have a rock to build around in the back when it comes to defense. We got to figure the rest of it out. Yeah. That's the problem right now. I think Franco Escobar gets healthy. I think that's easy. Solve it right back. Miles Robinson has proven so far to be our only really, truly consistent, outstanding performer. On defense? Dude, I, you are you forgetting about Barco this year? Because, oh, no, you're, no, you're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You're right on defense because Barco has been outstanding. Barco has consistently been the I'd player still, that yeah. you... I mean, you want to talk about finishing chances? We can talk about Joseph Martinez not putting away a one-on-one multiple times this this past week. However... Barco now true at the top of the fucking 18 keep shooting 
keep fucking banging it in there, Shoot dude. Your shot, he kid. hit two off the woodwork in the span of ten minutes Saturday that were right at the top of the eighteen that looked mirror images of what he did last week. Agreed. And you want to keep seeing that because it's gonna keep defenders pulling out of the top of the box, which is gonna open up the quick lanes for Joseph Martinez inside, and it's gonna keep the goalkeeper guessing on where the shot's coming from. If anything, that's what Atlanta United really did this past weekend. Maybe it was a little bit too little too late. You know, I think it was Matt Doyle talking about that, that a lot of their chance opportunity and chance creation came late in the game. Regardless of when it happened, it still happened. One thing I can say is that the chances were created in a lot of different ways. It was another game where we saw 30% of possession distributed across all thirds of the field, center, right, and left. We saw... Opportunities created by Gressel taking crosses in from the right wing, either Tito or Tito was a little bit less involved from the left side this week, I think, than he was last week. And maybe that led to some of the shortcomings in Breck Shea as well, because Breck Shea oftentimes running towards goal was on an island. He had no support over on that left side. But we saw Joseph taking shots. We saw Barco taking shots. We saw whenever Pity comes in, he's moving the ball around. There was a lot of chance creation in a lot of different ways, which is something you want to see. And you hope that that starts to get a little bit more consistent. And the same thing with what players are assuming other players are going to do. There was one moment in particular, and I don't know what minute was in, but it was a link up play between the first half because it was, they were coming towards us. It was, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Barco and Gressel. Yes. When Barco does the back heel and Gressel doesn't make the outrun. Those are the moments that you you expect to see that happen. It's not going to happen six weeks in. You're looking at Barco that wasn't playing that position last year. He's doing something completely different. The offense is doing something completely different. And Gressel isn't used to being that runner. He's used to sitting back and hanging back almost like a drop winger that Bello can or uh, Barco can drop the ball back into space and Gressel can take it up and bomb it over to Joseph trying to run in. Those are those kind of link ups and the threats that need to start to develop where players are playing multiple positions and it goes to that total football mentality of everybody playing every role. <laughs> Don't you give me an Angie poor. That's enough. Trying to get you slizzard. <laughs> trying to get a brown liquor cannon rant tonight. <laughs> That's what I'm wanting. I'm pretty uh, sure I've pretty much already gotten it out of you. Um, guys, I don't have anything else to say. Kevin, go ahead. Just uh, keep on rolling. It's gonna be the monologue. Keep on rolling, baby. <laughs> <laughs> How good was that Limp Biscuit album though back in the day? <laughs> no, you're not a fan of Limp Biscuit. What was it? Chocolate starfish. That chocolate starfish shit. And hot though. dog water. Is hot that dog name? water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. For me, I, I pretty much only like the the George Michael Faith cover, and then um, I did like that Nookie song in sixth grade. See, I wasn't a fan of Nookie. I didn't get on until Chocolate Starfish. See, I got off. That was whenever Wu Tang be- Clan got involved. I got off. He was. He had that song yeah. with Method Man. Uh, um. Uh, let's see. Oh God, so much going on in the trap right now. I know it. Um, side note, Joe Johnstone is calling out your manhood. So side note, Kevin, have you not finished that bottle yet? I, I mentioned it to uh, Chris earlier on. You guys forget. I got to drive home after this. I can't go super hard. In the, in the gulch is <sighs> one thing, but I, I got to be a responsible like there's adult there's not a guest here. bed here for him. Um, <laughs> Richard Gordon. Uh, you mean for Angie. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're ridiculous. Uh, you're incredulous. Uh, Richard Gordon says, plus, how many goalies are having the game of their life against us? True. Um, it's funny. We had Kenny from 19th Minute on last week, and he was talking about how Jesse Gonzalez is arguably their, their most... Um, well, their biggest key to victory, but also probably their biggest susceptibility because of how yeah. inconsistent he is. Yeah. You know, we talked about him probably two years ago. I got so excited that he pledged his allegiance to the U.S. men's national team, and he really just – he was just an outstanding sh- shot stopper, and it just looked so promising. But he's been inconsistent, and he had the game of his life against us. Yes. He really had a lot of great saves. Good God, that one save that he had at his fingertips right at the lower uh, lower post off of the corner that comes in that Joseph gets a tap in. It goes uh, keeper's bottom right, and he just happens to get a little swat at it to get it out. There were so many of those little fingertip saves that he managed to pull off. That I, I want to, yeah, and I, I want to call out uh, Anthony Neitzel saying, "Too busy listening to Earth Crisis back in those days." <laughs> yeah, you and Andy wouldn't come and save me from listening to Limp Biscuit at the time <laughs> and listening to uh, what else did I like? Dave Matthews Band oh, in sixth God. grade. I remember having that I CD. Never did that. And then my brother and his friends threw it out the window, and you're they're like, "You're not listening to this anymore." <laughs> um, I needed a firestorm to purify, and that's a. Uh, that's an Earth Crisis reference that nobody's going to get. Um, what else? What else to take away from this game? Um, the referee lost the plot, and that yeah, game was absolutely. a little big for him after about 15 minutes in. I think he made a lot of early mistakes. We talked about this often. It's A lot of times, it's just bad refereeing from on both sides, and it just happens to be from a... Um, a goalie or a goalie, sorry, a referee just not being able to set the tone early enough and being able to put boundaries around the <sighs> game. Oh, and he he really screwed things up. There are a couple things. The time wasting was well, okay. So Whoa. not talking about calls or anything like that. Uh, time wasting was th- that card that Jesse Gonzalez that got. That may have been the worst time wasting offense since uh, the Seattle game last year was pretty bad, but this was just awful. Um, yes, absolutely. So Jesse Gonzalez gets a yellow card on a lead up to a goal kick where he wasn't actually wasting time yet, which I thought was really weird. I don't think he had even met the six second mark yet, but in the first half he was diving on balls like I was oh, at station yeah, soccer yeah, last yeah, week. Exactly. And, um, that's when he really should have put a little pressure on Dallas because immediately after they score that goal, that's probably the earliest I've seen time wasting take place yeah. where Jose Mourinho is not involved. And <laughs> the stretcher that Joe Johnstone mentions. Well, oh, no, my so, God. so that's my next point. That's my next point. So there are a couple things that are, um, I would say time wasting is a little subjective when it comes to a referee. They, they can really, yeah. um, they could take a look at that and say, okay, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, I can, I can let this go. And if it keeps happening, it's, it's kind of a accumulation thing. One thing that I found very baffling is if you call the trainers out, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. If you call the trainers out, the player must come off of the pitch. Especially if he's like he was like pointing at his head like it was a head injury, right? And especially if a stretcher ever gets um, ever gets brought out, I just found it baffling to me that the referee allowed. I want to say it was Gruezo, if I'm not mistaken, who had the fake head injury, um, and. A couple. There were a couple times where trainers were brought out, and then they were yeah. they were they were sent back, and he didn't make the player come off the pitch. Well, what's fucked about that has more far-reaching implications back to Atlanta United's game last week, 
where Eric Rometty takes a knock on the head and it is a legitimate head injury and stays on the fucking field. If you're, if you, that's your job as the ref or as the ref is to, if you're going to call for a head yes. injury, it is your job to make sure that that player gets off the field and goes through protocol. You can't just wave them off and be yeah. like, nope, sorry, just kidding. Yeah, Play on. that's not up to the referee at that point, head injury or not. I, yeah. I want to say it's in it's in the rules of the game. If the if the trainers come on, I may be wrong. It may just be the stretcher, but if the trainers are coming on, I, I believe that the player has to come off. And to Michelle's point and your point, just to piggyback off of that, um, mm. it really it really sucks for the people who really do suffer head injuries in this kind of boy cried wolf situation where she says it's infuriating. In a time when con- concussions need to be taken seriously, absolutely. Taylor Twellman is a guy who kind of harps on that because his career was ended up by it. There are plenty of others. There's so much, um, what is it? It's not. It's sub-concussive trauma, too, that happens in soccer that leads to CTE. Yeah. I think there are some Just long-term studies that are going, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like boxing, right? Yeah. There, there are a lot of instances of taking jabs yeah. and your brain just kind of rattling. And I think the same thing with headers and uh, things of that nature. And it's it's... The league needs to take it seriously or the league won't be taken seriously. Wait a minute. I didn't see that. Andy said that our trainer got ejected. Yeah. Whenever Brad um, first. Okay. And then the third point about the referee, how that wasn't a red card with that foul on Brescia. Uh, yeah. That was is, is beyond egregious. me. Um, but yes, that foul happened. Our trainer got ejected for, um, for dissent after that foul. Oh. Or whenever it wasn't called, if I'm not mistaken. Huh? Yeah, I did not see that. Um, Andy also had a great point that the Dallas players were really just wanting to get a good look at the texture and feel of the new turf. How much this this is probably just ridiculous uh, banter here. You think the new turf had anything to do with this weekend? No, I thought about it. Uh, you know, what's really weird though is I don't think I've never I've never noticed vehicle tracks stay on the field the entire time. And in yeah. my corner in one twenty on the left side, um, there was just. There are vehicle tracks. I was like, this is really weird. Other thing, did they spray it during halftime? I got up to go grab a beer, so I didn't. No. I don't yeah, think so. so that's another thing. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. What do you guys think? I, I don't know. I think some of it may just be trying to grasp at straws in some regard. But I think overall, and, and Joe, uh, Joe Patrick mentioned it on Twitter. He showed the shot breakdown between the two teams. Shout He's, out to Joe Patrick. I mean, Joe Patrick's the OG about getting off of the uh, Atlanta United train and going ahead and signing on with the Braves before it was cool. <laughs> so shout out to Joe Patrick for that. Uh, <laughs> Rich, Rich, Richard Gordon did say they did, they did spray the field. I guess I just missed okay. it during okay. halftime. I was too busy getting embroiled in Twitter brawls. Yeah. Um, the thing that got me off of Twitter to begin with. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he mentioned you, you look at the shot breakdowns for both teams and he said something to the effect of I know which team I'd rather be. I I completely agree. You know, if But I it, thought you hate XG. <laughs> that was his point is like his yeah. and Josh Bagrianski, the the guys who break this game down in in such fine detail, they really do rely on stats like XG to say we were taking good shots. We we missed our chances. That's essentially Seven, what it is. Over 70% of possession. Yes. In 22 this, it, shots. Hey, and this wasn't an instance where, ooh, we won possession, big deal. No. We won possession, and we were peppering shots in like crazy and just creating chances. This is every. This is the antithesis of the 70% possession and two chances created that was happening in, in the beginning of the season. Right. Right. 
This is what you want to see out of this team, in my opinion. Obviously, you want to see this is what you want to see from this team outside of a couple of defensive breakdowns, one of which is because the team overexposed themselves trying to put in a goal. The other being you want to see them capitalize on more chances. Those two things aside, overall, I thought it was a pretty decent game. Again, Dallas is one of the best teams in the West. If I'm not mistaken, they are fourth, right? Yes, I'm pretty sure they are fourth. Yes, they are in fourth right now. Uh, LAFC is kind of running away with things. but Matthew Brookins, LA Galaxy fan listening from Sacramento, just want to say I enjoy you guys. Man, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Um, we got to get who I got to remember who we're having on. Be sure to check out the offside trap that we've been doing every week. We've got a running list of shows that we're doing and we'll be reaching out to somebody that does, uh, some of the galaxy content interested to hear who you listen to as far as LA galaxy podcast that we might yeah. be able to get on for the show to you preview that match in a couple side note. I know that people like to shit on, uh, people like to take Zlatan too seriously and people like whenever big teams like LA galaxy lose, but I think it's. Honestly, I do think it's better for the league whenever a team like that is big because they're already a big, recognizable franchise outside the States whenever it comes to this league. And I think whenever they do well, it kind of shines a good light on here. Um, so, yeah, appreciate so, you listening, Matthew. So to that point about LA, is perfect time, too. The discussion about LA Galaxy, about what their reputation is in the league, the league as a whole announced this past weekend the move to go to 30 teams. Yeah, and they also... And uh, Don Garber alluded to the fact that it may not stop there. Don Madoff? Is that... um, (laughs) So you paid two... Now it's... So it's interesting. I've seen a couple different uh, things said about this. So to your point, they want to get to 30 teams at least... The new expansion fee, which it was 150 million whenever Atlanta United joined, 200 now. It is now 200 million in the. Let's see. We bought our franchise in 14, so it's been five years. So 10 million dollars a year. It's been increasing on average. We don't know how much it increased. Actually, I don't know how much since he paid for theirs. They might have paid the 150. Do you think what What do you think the implications are of the league expansion? Let's say. Let's let's say. Let's break this down in two formats. I want to say, what are the implications of the league going to tw- to 30 teams and a $200 million entry fee? And what are the implications of it g- growing past 30 teams and a potentially uh, higher barrier to entry? So that barrier to entry is already getting pretty high for, yes. for MLS. Um, there are definitely franchises that have been grandfathered, not grandfathered in. There are franchises that bought in way earlier. The expansion franchises, whenever the league started, um, and early expansion franchises that <laughs> probably wouldn't be around right now if that fee was in place. Go ahead and put to bed. Either way, it happens. If we get to pro rel's never going to happen now. You don't think so? I don't think there's a chance that there's going to be an owner in the United States or. You know, willing to do that with that's that willing price to tag. put down two hundred million dollars just to buy the right to be in the league to go and negotiate with legislators to get a stadium to to get players to pay contracts. Though the MLS pays a lot of the contracts, um, aside from DPs, if I'm not mistaken. I, uh, do you think if they restructured the way that the teams are currently organized through salary caps, DPs, so on and so forth, that opens that up to more possibilities, even with the $200 million entry fee. I mean, it'd be nothing but relegation battle. You would have probably five, six, seven, eight teams, probably max that are, that are really investing in a team and getting, let's see, Atlanta, NYCFC would probably dominate MLS. 
Mm-hmm. I think ML- NYCFC, if there's no salary cap, no financial fair play, anything like that, I think NYCFC, they have endless oil money from Qatar. They have, it would be Manchester City, the light, but still. Atlanta, NYCFC, probably Red Bull. No, actually, probably not Red Bulls. LAFC, LA Galaxy, um, and then Seattle, Portland, and then a handful of other teams that would be able to dominate the league. And then you would be looking at, I don't know, it, what is that at that point? 12 or, um, or 22 teams that are battling relegation. First of all, it's, it's just not a, it's not a model that fits. I think there's too much investment and too many, too many owners are going to be gun shy to invest in this league. If, if there's any chance of them going down into a lower league. So Matthew Brookins mentions the point about pro rail never happening because you'd have to do away with all the number two sides, but that's the whole, what I thought was the beginnings of them restructuring USL is going to have pro rail. USL. USL because all the two teams are now down in, D three or whatever it is. Right, now. I th- I want to say that ha- the pro rel is going to happen if it's not already happening at USL level. I don't follow USL very often or very much. I just I kind of look at the scores to see if anybody relevant from Atlanta United two has been scoring. But well, then uh, okay, so you don't think that pro rel ends up happening because of the price tag for, you for think, MLS for sure. For MLS, do you think that anything does change as far as DP slots, salary caps? Stuff yeah, like yeah, that. I think I think so because obviously the salary cap goes up because you've got more, you've got a higher influx of cash into the league. I would assume, right? If you're looking at what are we at right now in terms of teams, we have twenty, uh, two, twenty four, twenty three, twenty four teams. Okay, so you're looking at six teams. You're looking at over a billion dollars in capital. That's that at some point is going to reach league headquarters. I think that it, I, you have to open up an extra DP slot, extra DP slot, and salary cap. I would assume go up. Yeah, for sure. I think the the TAM and and all that stuff. I think everything will get increased accordingly. I think that the the dinosaurs who don't invest in their teams um, get left behind at a certain point. The teams like I don't know, like Chicago, Philly, Philly, Chicago, Columbus teams that well, no, Columbus is opening up a new stadium, but the other two, Philly and Chicago, I think. I mean, they're out. Outside the city, hardly Philly's ever get no more than ten million dollars a year. Yeah, they don't spend enough money on their teams, as Kevin K- Kincaid was yeah. uh, talking to you about yeah. on the offside trap a few weeks ago. And I See, don't that's know. a good thing. That's why I'm glad we do that. Yeah, now for I sure. know shit like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Kevin Gorham saying uh, the players are going to need to come strong to make that happen in the next CBA. There are about four to six teams in MLS that want to open it up. I, yeah, something's got to change, man. You look at. There's so many implications on the way that this league is structured regarding salaries and player acquisitions, and it's blatantly obvious at the CCL level. Yeah, absolutely. Not even just that. I think even U.S. Open level. Yeah. Because of how U.S. Open Cup, um, it's great that there's a lot of parity in that, but at the same time, there really shouldn't be. Right. The the parity should be... Probably not even at the level that like FA Cup and League Cup are in, in England whenever you're seeing uh, second and third division teams um, beating first division teams because some of those teams used to be up in the first division, whatever. They're they're lucrative. They have a huge fan base. But So let me ask you this to, to end on this discussion. At 30 teams, does the playoff spot go up to what what is that 15 teams per side does it go up to 8 per now instead of 7 yeah the, i mean think they're going to open it, up another fucking playoff spot well you can look at two different models nfl has more teams than that has less playoff spots than that if i'm not mistaken 6 on both sides two bye weeks 
Yeah. And then if you look at the NBA, they have 30 teams. They have eight on either side, too. They've talked about potentially moving to a, a model not dissimilar from MLS in... Um, actually, I, I take that back. It's It's definitely different where they're doing top 16 teams across the entire league make it instead right. of conferences. I think at a certain point that might happen too. I think so too. That, Some so, sort so of hybrid model between, between European thing, football yeah, and, yeah. and There's got to be a couple MLS. of ways that you could break that down. I think it was uh, Mike Conti mentioning you go to four four divisions essentially um, where you'd have a Northeast, Southeast, Southwest, Northwest, or maybe it was like North, uh, North, South, well, I forget how Conti broke it up, but he had it in essentially in four divisions instead of the two that we have. I mean, currently. that's. I mean, that's kind of. I it's mean, that's similar. But that's, yeah. I mean, that's how NBA does it, yeah. right? I mean, they have the uh, the Atlantic, the Southeast, Central, and then Southwest. Whatever they have, they yeah. have uh, four or six divisions. Yeah, and um, Matthew Brookins in other leagues in Europe, the U twenty three sides are all four division and lower. But y'all are right. Uh, there need to be some sort of evolution. Um, I want to say, is it Real Madrid and Barca? Their B teams are in uh, La Liga B or uh, Segunda division. I think they're in Segunda. I think so. And they, they can't be, they've gotten that way at least. And they've never been, they, they can't get to the point where they're promoted with the uh, the first team. Um, we have a handful of voicemails. We do. And I just texted Dan to see if he wants to call in, but we can go ahead and get to the, some of these voicemails real quick. Uh, we need to delete a few, right? Is that right? Yeah, just go to that last one from old, old Happy Joe. Well, I was going to play Kevin Gorham's since it was the first one Perfect. after the game. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Kevin Gorham live behind Elliott Street Pub with my buddy, Greg Frazier, right after the game. want to talk to you guys about our three keys to the game. Key number one. <laughs> How about all that possession, fellas? Yeah! <laughs> Key number two, does this team get better with Bello and Escobar at fullback? And Absolutely. Key number three, <laughs> what's the countdown for Tank the Franks? All right, uh, long-time listener, third-time caller. I'll hang up and listen. Oh, my. Uh, I'm, I'm, stretch. Oh, my right. God. Goodbye. I am so glad we have this phone line. What's the number again? It is six seven eight three two seven eight two nine seven. Is that right? Three two nine seven. You were so, so close. fucking close. What is it again? It is six seven eight eight two seven three two nine seven. That's it. So uh, get your calls in. We got a couple more here. Um, yeah. So to his points, let's see here. First of all, how about all that possession? Uh, yeah, I think that that's certainly part of the story. But the other part is all the. Chances yeah. that were created as a result of that. It wasn't strictly possession with two chances created. So yeah. the other part, do we think Bello and Escobar make the the defense any 100%. better? A hundred percent. I think Escobar over Michael Parkhurst right now would be my bet. Bello over uh, Breck Shea. But do you think Parkhurst over LGP? Do you trust that Franco Escobar is going to be able to be a stopgap to help those type of LGP blunders in the midfield? Or would you rather just rely on a guy being further back all at all times with Miles Robinson? 
I would rely on somebody being further back with Miles Okay, I, I do too. I, I think LGP's got to either get his head right or or I, I don't know what's going on. He is making uncharacteristic moves. I think that you put Miles Robinson and I think over Parkhurst time, I mean, together. Parkhurst, we've talked about it at length at this point that Michael Parkhurst is towards the end of his tenure, you would expect. Um, I want to see him more as a mentorship role than somebody that you're relying on in a fucking foot race week after week, which he's clearly not capable of doing consistently at least yeah no i mean i'm not saying he's old man with a walker out there but you can't expect him to be chasing down 20 year olds in a full sprint on a regular basis so true um, um and what was the last point Brit- Brittany s pogba in for lgp i keep hearing that but i'd like to see him on the field i'd like yeah. to see some some play from him. Uh, i agree with uh, that one. third point was um how long until tank the frank I I stand by two years, depending on the outcome at the end of the season. If if Atlanta United misses the playoffs at the end of the season, he's gone. If they end up in the playoffs, he's got at least next year. Um, I'm right now for the time being. I'm sticking with a two year. We're with Frank the Tank. Tank the Frank. I'm with I'm with Tony with Tony uh, Anthony Neitzel saying uh, I love LGP, but I'm surprised he hasn't reached a red uh, on accumulation. I, I don't I don't know how either. Yeah. I was very nervous that he was getting sent off at the uh, towards the middle of that game. I completely agree. Um, do you want to play the? You want me to play the next one? Uh, I can do I can do it. This one. This is the last one. This is our. Okay. There's body. there's another one to play after that too. Yeah. Ooh. Yours doesn't just start in speaker. 89 points or bust. But seriously, lots to unpack. Um, it seems that a vast majority of the uh, supporters want the results rather than the improvement that we've shown over the past few games. Uh, what do you guys have thoughts on that about? Number two, uh, what do you guys think about this uh, Orlando-style throwing of trash on the field? I mean, seriously, guys, this is not Orlando. I missed that. Oh, yeah. Finally... I'm on the other side of the what field. What do you though. guys think will be a good judgment date on this season's progress with the board? For me, I'm on the full year, first year, throw it out, as long as we're throwing constant improvement, with the earliest case in reviewing his performance maybe after the 4th of July. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. As always, uh, one final thing. I have a friend that listens on Wednesdays. I tell him I'll give him a shout-out. Uh, Alex Beltillo. Aka salty. Is that it? I think so. I wonder if that's the one that accidentally cut off. That he was like, it's gonna accidentally cut off on you. But it's hard to wade through all nineteen. No, I think that's it. Okay, I think we did it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, So, and then there's one more. I'll play it. I don't know who this is. What's up, guys? Just real quick. Um, what do you think's up with Joseph as far as him missing shots on the goal like last year that he was killing? Um, and do I have a bias or is Breck Shea like the worst player on the pitch? Anyway, hope you guys do well. Take care. Lots to unpack. Lots to unpack. Um, first of all, first note, um, I'm not sure if that's Joe Johnstone or that's a Kevin Gorham deep fake. Could be. I don't know. Could be. I don't I think there might be 40 hours of footage. The Joe around. has no name. Exactly. Uh, 
<laughs> I mean, Kevin Kevin Gorham. You, I think you probably have enough uh, Kevin voicemails. Gorham many faces. He has a lot of voicemails lying around. Yep. Somebody's using that deep fake software to to just call in and leave other voicemails that's with different names. It's definitely it. <laughs> Sounded too sober to be. Him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so back to the first. I don't. I don't. Thank you for the for the call. I don't know who that that third caller was. Um, but to Patrick Keenum, PK's point, um, and to kind of touch on the joseph martinez woes he just has the yips right now and it'll pass i kind of agree with that i think when you're coming off a season like last year i think there is a lot of pressure that you probably put on yourself more so than anybody else puts on you to to continue that form and you want to be you always want to come into a season and do better than you did the last yeah and knowing that you have such a huge mountain to overcome to reach that point i, I it has to be tough on him expectation wise because you know he's a perfectionist you know he gets 100 percent. and and if there's one guy that we don't need to piss off with a lack of support or jeering from the crowd it's joseph martinez you know what i i can i will take joseph's miss opportunities with his attitude that he's had about him with those missed opportunities over the joseph martinez of 2017 that was pouting and time wasting whenever he would walk off the field because he didn't feel like he was getting the goals that he deserved or or that he wanted to have yeah. or the performance that he had. I will say the difference is that Joseph's been up and down last year. It was a lot of up. It was up and down his first year. Obviously he had the injury. Um, I think that, one of the things that I can take away from Joseph's performance so far this year is that even whenever he's quote unquote down, um, he's kept his head up, which is great. No, absolutely. And um, to. Yeah. And he finally scored a penalty kick, which that's means a, he's on, he's say. on pace to set another goal record. Cause we all know how much of that. <laughs> needs so to t- happen. Tony's asking if, if Kaku has had his punishment handed down and. Um, I don't wow. think that, I did not know that Michelle said Joseph did a lab at the end of the game and thanked the fans yet. Some things, some fans thinks it's okay to boo. Yeah. That's, that's again, you've got to have some self-awareness and realize what your actions and your quote unquote support means to the players and everybody else involved in the organization yeah it's a, it's a tony's point i don't it doesn't look like that that mls has handed down kaku's suspension yet but at the same time i kept looking every week or every day after madunian's flip out in atlanta last year and i don't think he even got suspended if it may, maybe he got one game for it whenever he got sent off spit at the ref uh made a lewd gesture towards the fans and, and everything i i don't I don't know if I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it kind of swept under the rug and maybe he gets like a two game suspension or three, like a quiet uh, suspension. I don't know. We'll see. I, guess. I can't believe what's his face from since he didn't get a ban ripping that shot into the stadium. Like he did. <laughs> get out of my, in the words, <laughs> in the words of Jay Riddle, get out of my league. Um, Okay, so Joe Joe Johnstone, um, I think we touched on it before he we played his yeah. his voicemail. Um, Shout with, out to I'm, his boy Alex. Yeah, I, I'm with him. I think I think the the barometer is set at a year. Uh, mm-hmm. I I think it's it's safe to say that 
Um, there are going to be some growing pains. And one of those, uh, I think Matthew Brookins has a, a great question I think we can touch on before we close the show. And then was the improvements? Is that what Joe was? Yeah. Week-to-week improvements? Yeah. Who we're seeing at Barco. Yeah. I mean, week in, week out, that kid's confidence is skyrocketing. Um, I think Tito over Gressel um, in terms of consistency. I felt like... You know, my biggest problem with Gressel this past week was that he was absent on the back post. I think a lot of op- a lot more True. opportunities could have been created had somebody been playing into position on the back post. A lot of Breck Shea's opportunities that were created went to a complete vacancy on the back line. Yeah. Um, anybody else? I mean, Miles Robinson every week continuing to impress. Oh, Orlando trash situation was the... Oh, the yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was pretty disgraceful. There was at least twice that I saw it. Somebody threw a water bottle and a cup on the so, uh, again, supporters uh, section side. I said it while I was playing, but I uh, I didn't see that on my side of the stadium. Yeah, yeah uh, it was gross. more towards the supporter, supporter section. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty... That sucks. Pretty you know what was really cool? Um, another positive from the game is... I'll, I'll never forget somebody that threw that water bottle from one end zone to the other and beamed that ref in the head and Bobby Dodd that first year. <laughs> Just fucking hail married it and clocked him in the head as he was walking into the locker room. He got a scholarship that day. <laughs> um, it was a perfect spiral. He just threw that water bottle over those mountains <laughs> over there. <laughs> so Uncle Rico in the crowd. <laughs> so really cool thing happened uh, to uh, to me on Saturday at the game. I was in my section. I see this guy about ten rows down from me. Get up and go to go get a beer, go get food. And I was like, looks like my buddy Zach from college that I played soccer with. And he goes down. And I haven't seen Zach in probably four years. Saw him like once. And then before that, he lives in he lives in South Carolina. And before, before that, I probably hadn't seen him in another four years. Um, and he goes back down. And I'm like, I don't know. I've seen people who look like people I know. And maybe I shouldn't like try and say anything. Or anyway, game's over. Our section surprisingly didn't clear out or anything like that. We're we're standing up waiting to get to get out of our section and, and he looks up and we kinda lock eyes and I kinda nod and he goes he's like Ugh. what? And then he, he just kinda bum rushed towards me and I thought that was really cool. It was his I think he was it was his first actual Atlanta United game. He came for MLS All Star last week. But just of all the gin joints in all the places, yeah. It happened like that. I thought that was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, just positivity. Again, about the experience and the people. I mean, standing out in the atrium, uh, hung out with the guys from For the Culture, Saul Parceros over there. Um, I think uh, Andy stopped by, Mills swung by. We just just kind of posted up in the atrium for a little bit before kickoff. Those are the kind of things. Walking around the gulch, obviously, at all the tailgates with Elder Tree and Terminus Legion Faction and Footy Mob. Um, it was great. It was uh, great, man. Uh, Matthew Brookins, our uh, our listener, our LA Galaxy fan listener, he says, uh, it's a, one last thing I wanted to ask you. I think this is a very kind of poignant uh, comment saying, does DeBoer know his best players and what their strengths are? He said, I'm not into firing coaches midseason regardless of the sport, but there are a lot of decisions that make you scratch your head. And I think a lot of those uh, have happened prior to this week and last. I think when you saw Mikey Ambrose playing on right back with Breck Shea on the left and... Um, I don't know. It just 
There was no meet and greet, guys. I just hung out in the atrium. I didn't organize anything. I was just standing there informally and saw people passing by. Yeah, people Sorry. saw that. I don't want... I, that was not... Uh, <laughs> that people, was... people came up and said, is that a razor line in your hair? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> and then I just promptly... No, I had brain surgery. I couldn't walk until I was 23. Whoa. <laughs> So <laughs> that was my running joke. I was going to tell people I had brain surgery. And then whenever I made a mistake at work, it would always be like, damn, Kevin really fucked this up. But, you know, it's not that bad considering he couldn't even walk until he's 23. So he's really doing pretty good for us. It's <laughs> <laughs> that Nate Bargatze shit where he's like, uh, I don't used to weigh 300 pounds, but I look pretty good for a guy who used to weigh 300 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> um We'll do, Joe. We'll do. I need. I, I should have just tweeted it out that I was over there. I, apologies, guys. It was uh, wet and rainy, and I was just standing around killing some time, and it ended up just kind of playing itself out. So do you think Frank DeBoer knows his best players and what their strengths are at this point? I do, and I think that that's evolved over the past two matches especially between New England and um, – oh, what Dallas? Dallas. Why could I not think of that? Um I think that we've seen a slight evolution in the tactics employed and the chances created and how they've been created more so in the new England game because of how much FC Dallas wanted to bunker. But overall, I think that you've seen a tendency of the run of play evolve based on the skill sets of the individual players over the past two matches than you had in the previous four. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Matthew Cody's asking if it was oh. uh, <laughs> making sure he. Yeah, it was him. It was Zach uh, Zach uh, Lasell. And um, oh, oh, the scarf. You gonna pull that up? Oh yes, I will pull up the scarf. Um, and I also wanted to pull up. We have the finished fantasy. The, oh yeah, and fantasy because we didn't do that last week. Sorry guys. Um, so we have the final scarf design that went into production. Uh, ooh. Um, so there's all your, uh, look at all those. Look at that. Your, your voice, your scarf there. We got everything in there. Um, speaking of old, old Joe Johnstone, there's happy Joe bearded brethren. We got Varvar Binks in there with Kevin Gorham. Um, let's see. Stars over shields. You guys mentioned that one. Ooh, Uwe le, la bad boy. Uwe made, la bad boy. Made, made a, made a jump in there. Uh, Wilmington loves ATL. What else we got here? Dog for him. Uh, Keith Filer's in there. I miss your face. I miss uh, your face. I, I fucks with Dan James. I fucks with Dan James. We had to give a shout out and a little bit of love to Roughneck in there. My favorite, one of my favorites anyway, is the uh, Asterisk five-star scarf review somebody submitted. Yes. It's pretty great. Um, DeAndre is up in there. ATL Pizza, our buddy Annabelle. Um, sup, homies? Bill Holcomb's up there. Kamate. Uh, plastic. Oh my God. Kendrick with the H before D greater than MOTS. M-O-T-S yeah. <laughs> the doctor is in PK. Uh, little yeah. Estamos listos. El Toro. Hashtag Bellows boys. Cigars and bourbon. Rowdy fuck mills. Yeah. Uh, Dudley and the boys. David Dudley. Uh, Boitano. And then uh, Familia Supra Omnia. And then yeah. Home Before Dark. Yeah, man. Family above I all think else. it turned out pretty great. I'm, I'm really excited about it. So we sent that in. You zoom out a little bit. That went into, we sent it over to our rep who sent it over to the production manager on Friday. So we'll follow up with them at yeah. the end of this week to see kind of timeline. But the, pl- the plan is you guys will get an email. The Those of you who pre-ordered, you guys will get an email sometime this week with kind of a uh, update. 
an update and a special um a special invite we'll say we're gonna do an invite only uh special show that we've we've talked about doing might as well go ahead and talk about it here we're we're doing everything diy here there's still a couple that if you didn't get your submission and it's too late but i think we still have a couple that you can purchase but one of the things whenever they get shipped to tim's lovely home that we'll be doing we'll be actually packaging them up personally and we thought about doing a side broadcast where we just (laughs) hang out pack the holy shit a scarf reveal (laughs) but where we hang out uh package all of them up patreon only baby it's yeah exactly you had to be there to get there so uh we'll, we'll we'll make sure to email out a link for that live show and make sure everybody gets their credit where credit's due as we're packaging those up to get them out to you and uh joe johnstone says proofread level up yeah that was embarrassing uh yeah that was real bad anyway um i wanted to give a shout out to um the fantasy league because we completely forgot about it last week um before we we had off and do this offside trap um number one we have thought marker michael german is it german 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 German? (laughs) german i think it's german 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 uh, we have Nathan Lines, FC Apogee, very particular set of skills. Uh, okay, it's got a longer name now. Uh, and third, Patrick Felch, uh, nothing but red. Oh, uh, I don't like any of that. <laughs> soccer specific fantasy team, Andy Watkins at fourth. Oh, no wonder Andy was upset we didn't read it <laughs> last week. And then Matt Cole, I, I it cuts it off. I think I want to say oh, it's, it's probably, Cote uh, Colbert. Uh, don't var me, bro. Oh, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good one. And then uh, stats and trends: John Beck just rearing in the back in, in sixth. And then we have an, a New York Red Bulls fan in seventh. I don't like right that. on, right on. Oh man. Uh, um, let's see. Well, well, yeah. well, Matthew Cote got hot takes in here. <laughs> I think at the level they play at, best players are week in and week out based on the form they're in. That's <laughs> pretty great. I think that's management one hundred and one. I think that's what you do. <laughs> I think that's a good take, Matthew. You yeah, got it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think Frank DeBoer should know that. Yeah. That, if only those rules applied to this podcast. Oh, love probably, you, brother. Probably be yeah. a lot less people yeah. sitting in front of a mic. <laughs> Matthew Brookens is asking if he can get one in blue and gold. Uh, thanks. Uh, uh, unfortunately uh, not. Once we start a uh, LA Galaxy weekly. <laughs> we'll just start a separate one. <laughs> How plastic are we? <laughs> I love Zlatan more, more than most. So yeah. I... Um, well, oh, you know, he, is, he had the quote of the damn week. I don't have it in front of me, but the whole whatever he's criticizing, he's criticizing the refs and VAR. And he said, hopefully the MLS doesn't punish me. He said, but it's OK because I am the MLS. Oh, my yeah. God. That's pretty fucking <laughs> yeah. great. Um, yeah. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, we we do the offside trap. We'll we'll continue to do that throughout this year. Uh, so be sure to check that out. That'll come out this Thursday. If you're listening to this tomorrow or whenever you're listening I am sweaty, to it, and that's usually a sign of a good episode. That's a good episode, exactly. I am just it's just moisty. These leather seats. We got to get that ventilated yeah. ventilated seat need, action going some, in here. I need like a little floor fan just blowing up. Yeah, maybe we'll do uh, we'll do Patreon. We'll try and get ventilated seats in here. And I think. <laughs> It's all about comfort, man. It is. It is. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in, however you found us. if We didn't have any new reviews on iTunes, but if you leave a review on iTunes, whatever it says, we will read it aloud on the show. Don't want to leave a review? That's okay, too. You can throw up any number of stars, and uh, it, it's much appreciated. We, we took a little dip last week. I'm not afraid to admit it. 
We had some we had some people sliding into those iTunes top charts that Not thought anymore. they thought they were gonna take over with one or two hot takes. Uh uh-uh. uh. You you aim at the king, you best not miss. We back on top, baby. We're doing it right. So yeah. uh, and it, and it's in in no small part due to your efforts uh, and, and all of the things that you guys do to support us with the ratings and reviews on iTunes, showing up, subscribing, and telling a friend. So thank you for that. Uh, if you found us on YouTube, be sure to hit that little bell notification to get a uh, or is it the bell icon? Bell icon. Bell yeah. icon to get the notification whenever we go live each and every Monday night. Guys, Kevin is saucing, and we're getting ready to do a uh, offside trap, and I am I am ready for it. Sauce boss, my body is ready. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, thank you guys so much. You can find us collectively at Home Before Dark on Twitter. That's before spelled B in the number four. Try to guess who's tweeting. Seems to be a fun game at this point. So uh, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. As always, be home before dark. More like Colorado Vapids. Because they got like no No, points. Vapids. Love seven days we crawl up to the ground Love seven sins we wear just like a crown Angels will cry and angels will moan When will they leave us alone? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.